Welcome to the Foy Jones Show. On this podcast, I'm going to be joined by some of the most inspirational and charismatic figures from the worlds of KBB and Builders Merchanting, alongside some very special guests. 2020 has not been the year anyone expected, but we're now entering our new normal, and whoever you are, whatever you're doing, it's going to be a new game. Listeners, are you ready? Welcome to episode 10 of my podcast. This series, It's a New Game, is talking about what has become the new normal. And today we're joined by two very, very special guests. We're going to be talking about subjects very close to my heart, which is the stars of the future and the next generation, and certainly how we can attract these people into the sectors. Um, I'd love to welcome Carmen Daly and John Henry from the Apprenticeship for the Apprenticeships Management Group to the Foyne Jones Show. Carmen and John, good morning. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. This is the Foyne Jones Show. You're ready to go. Absolutely. Good morning. Bring it Thanks on. for having us. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning, John. We've been talking sort of pre-show about, about what's important. And I think that I've got to share something which isn't that relevant to this podcast, but really important to me. I've broke into two new countries in the iTunes charts. I've, um, I, I'm, I'm, in the charts in, oh, I'm in the charts in Mexico, muchas gracias, and I'm in Canada, which speaks English. I'm not going to do the French, but we, we are in a couple of new charts. These episodes are, are really about talking, talking about what the world is now. and We're in a very different place than what we were in January and February. Um, Carmen, you know, we, we got to know you particularly after the Gary Baker podcast when Gary, as well as talking about, you know, CDUK, was very, very passionate about the, the work Fiesta are doing and suggested we get in contact. And that was one of the, the best introductions I've had this year because you've been brilliant to my business, uh, my business, people within it and, and other businesses. That's led to yourself and John joining me today. So just to set the scene and just as a brief intro, John, John, I mean, we'll start with you, John. You know, do you want to tell listeners who you are and what you do, my friend? Yeah, my name's John Henry. Um, Liverpool fan, therefore I called myself after the owner of Liverpool, of <laughs> course. Um, I, I was a chartered accountant at KPMG and another firm. And I left that basically to get involved in training. There was a massive gap in the market. It wasn't being serviced. We were asked about 10 years ago by a trade association, trade association to help them out with their apprenticeship scheme. And I've been in it ever since then, vocational training. And it has grown and grown and grown. We've got five companies now helping probably three or 4,000 people a year with their careers. Wow. That's, I mean, that, that's staggering that something's grown from, from that to, to that many people. Because I look at that from, a, from the owner of recruitment perspective and you know, we'll come on a little bit to, to what the year's been like and, you know, how you are personally. But when you when you speak to people that are, that are struggling through no fault of their own or they're, they're trying to begin their career, you know, you, you're dealing with the hearts and minds of a real human being. You're dealing with, with people that have a future in front of them. Um, I, I know from my own children, you know, that they had different different strengths and weaknesses in the classroom. One, one if he liked the teacher, would be A-star. You know, if he didn't, he would, wouldn't really bother at all, uh, which is quite frustrating. The other was, you know, Mr. Sporty, captain of everything, represents the county at everything, but hugely dyslexic. So different challenges in different ways. So neither of them went down the university path, which, you know, would have been a first in, in our family, myself and my wife, but it didn't happen. Um, 
but we are able to to look at different pathways and i think we'll bring that to life john but i will go back to it uh the john henry you're referring to is that the best a man can get is that is that the uh is that the same one that you let the Gillette owner of Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I actually, I actually got. I'm a Liverpool fan, and I actually got into a game. Um, I called the box office a, a few years ago. My son was at Liverpool University. I called the box office and I said, "I want two tickets." It had to be against local somebody midweek because you couldn't get a Saturday game. And I was going to drive up to Liverpool watch the game. And I called and they said, "Yep, yeah, fine. Um, uh, what's your name?" And I said, "John Henry." And they hung up. Yeah. <laughs> So I called back again about 10 minutes later. I said, what's up? They said, we've had these jokes and this nonsense before. And I said, my name is John Henry. And they and because they'd hung up on me, I got two half-price tickets to watch Liverpool. Uh, I mean, you know, I've, it doesn't surprise me that things like that happen. But, yeah, the Anfield is a is a very special place. I, I've seen Fulham lose there regularly over the years. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen this grab the odd point. And um, I've been lucky enough to be around the players' bar and, and other and other things as well. So it is one of those special football grounds. And, you know, whilst it's been, a, a, I guess, a, a very strange start to the season, it, all the magic was there with Jürgen and the boys last year. So we will come on to that because we will be, we've got a special guest who, who shares a passion for the football team. But, but Carmen, we can't forget you. And I know, I know you don't want to get drawn too much into the football banter, but you know I support Fulham, which always encourages me. Um what is it you offer your business? What do you do? Where do you fit in, Carmen? Yeah, so, um, absolutely. I work with um, John on the training side of things and, and look after the operations. So it's very much we, you know, we're not a training provider. A lot of people hear the name and think that we actually train apprentices. That's not what we do at all is we actually, it's very much about helping employers get through the the administration complexities that unfortunately you know the system does have we sort of we're really about helping people find the right apprenticeships the right training providers the right fit as well as doing sort of some some low level recruitment around the entry level side of of um of apprenticeships so that's very much and i see sort of a lot of the day-to-day -day activities which can be anything from working with the recruitment teams that we have liaising with like we've got levy management teams that help with sort of the um those that are bigger organizations that pay the apprenticeship levy and then also do a lot around developing the right um you know learner journeys within apprenticeships for for employers carmen you come across in the conversations we've had that as someone who's really passionate and and you know you you care there's kindness in in the way you communicate you must get a lot of a lot of sort of you must just feel so rewarded sometimes to be able to to, to put people in touch with the right pathways i mean we can't we can't go into this too much because of sensitivity but you helped me with a close contact of mine who reached out to me about his son. And there was nothing I could particularly do other than give him some basic advice. But but getting him in touch with you and the feedback I got from how you kind of manage that conversation and the different pathways, that, that that's something truly life-changing you're offering people, aren't you? Oh, well, I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear that. And, you know, if... if... 
if there's anything that we can do to, to help people, that's the whole point of, of what we do is it's about sort of giving people the goals and showing them that there are routes, you know, particularly if there's there's a lot of young people and we're going to see that even more after the sort of recent circumstances is perhaps they don't find quite their, their pathway straight away or they haven't had that guidance. So if we can sort of fill that space for them and, and you know, help support them with that, then we, we do. But yeah, it's incredibly rewarding. I didn't actually start off in, um, training and development but I actually when I was 13 I my one of my first jobs was filing for a man called John Henry and then um, 20 years later you know um, went back to, to work for him again and you know and his passion well, for, for training still and, there, Carmen? were they still in the same order <laughs> I, I claim we're a paperless office, he says. We took the <laughs> can, I, can I say, Peter, just, just to, to chip in there, Carmen does rather more than that, actually. She not, not, doesn't just place people in jobs. She actually, she actually manages to adapt training to suit a whole sector. She's done wonders for the Builders Merchants Federation with a diploma to get it mapped into a funded qualification. It's a brilliant qualification. And she's done the same with a... Uh, large good vehicle HGV driving qualification, so that um, so that the individual person can now get their driving license through this qualification and can take them from a start-up position to a ten-year driver. She does more than just match up individuals with job roles. She actually takes entire sectors and makes it work for the sector she's looking after, which are largely in the construction industry. I mean, to Fair play, and, fa and thanks for jumping in there, John, because it's uh, it it's not, not sometimes, you know, and I, and I call it showing off, and we do this when we work with job seekers, that, you know, ha ha being able to show off and talk about what you do, it, it doesn't come naturally sometimes, and, 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 and be, you know, hearing that voice from the outside and the warmth that was delivered with, and, and I know some of the organisations and the businesses you support, so from the, out, from the inside out and the outside in, I know these sectors, and, and there are challenging you know, processes and bureaucracy and individuals within them. But being able to shape something like that is, is special. But, but it, you, I mean, we, we could go into that, I think, John, because you, you mentioned earlier on the, the, the breadth of kind of sectors and industries where you, where you are operating. I mean, I know some of them, but should we go through them just in a bit more detail so we can understand who, what you're doing and who you're offering that, that support and service to? Well, I started off, as I say, 10 years ago in this training sector. As McCormick said, you don't do any training. We're a conduit to get people into great jobs. And the Electrical Distributors Association asked me to attend a meeting. I was, I was actually um, running the accounts for a large, large training providers. And they said, how do we make this work for us? The administration is so horrendous. How do we make it work for us? I went along there, found a route through for them in something called an apprenticeship training agency, whereby we could actually form a company and employ the new starters, the babies new into the business for them and take all the administration worry away. And that's still that's still available today and that's still a big part of what wow. we do. And that was in Electrical Distributors um, uh, Association and that was in their industry. And that followed on to the Builders Merchants Federation, which are another, another merchant trading organization, trade business to business. And then it went on from there to British Coatings Federation, which is paints and prints. And it's amazing. I didn't realize how many paints and prints and so on there were in the country. Surprised to hear that the most used for paint, believe it or not, is not on ships and cars, in which there's an awful lot of paint. 
but road markings, that's the biggest use of paint ever. Well, that was a new one to me. Paints and, and uh, this sort of thing. And then uh, from there into um, furniture makers, all they all combined together, an organization called Fiesta, and all the um, furniture makers club together. So they're manufacturers of product and deliverers of product and some big names, of household names in all of these trading associations. And there's some very, very small ones, one-man vans. And, and we, offer, we offer a service to try and allow them to access training and engage with, with young people and older people, by the way, because apprentices are not just for 18, 19-year-olds with the overalls. That's, that's, and that's, that's really good because we'll that's one of the myths I think we can like knock, knock, out, knock out the park during this podcast because it does yeah. reach all levels. I, I know this because yeah. my mum did one in healthcare. You know, in, in yeah. her late fifties, I, I know this. So, you know, um, can't, can't, I don't know why that's breaking to my mind. I didn't think of that at all in the in the food. But it just it just shows you what's out there. But but we can come into that. And what's unique here is that you know, Foyne, the Foyne Jones Recruitment Group are what you say on the team. You know, we we were launched in two thousand and three. We're a specialist recruiter and talent and talent attraction company for the builders merchant sector, the KBB sector, the construction supply sector. So that will go into furniture, it will go into retail. And, you know, the type of businesses and personalities and brands we work with, every single one of them, Carmen and John, could benefit from an apprenticeship pathway, in my opinion. Um, I've myself and Carmen so many different talk conversations about this that, you know, perhaps our recruitment doesn't have to just stop with the appointment on boarding and retention, we could be we could actually be introducing the the different pathways and apprenticeships into that as well, which is a conversation I really want to have. But if we take that introduction, which was really really good because it, it brought to life kind of who you are and what you do, let's talk now about apprenticeships themselves. Um, what's out there? What's on offer? You know the different part ways from the from the very lowest level to the most senior level because I think if we can bring that to life to our listeners, whether it's a business owner, the population of HR directors and HR managers, divisional managers who are looking at filling different gaps, or even some of the startup companies that that are unsure of whether they can offer that and how to how to get it going, we can leave something quite powerful here. So let's talk about apprenticeships from the inside, John and Carmen. I just looked this up this morning just to make sure I've got numbers right because it does change all the time. There are 593, I'm looking at, apprenticeship standards. This is a new form of apprenticeship where you, you learn, you, you learn on the job. They're vocational qualifications. They must be directed towards the job. Um, uh, they can't be altruistic. They must be towards the job, towards the career, and they end up with an endpoint assessment examinations. Um, and they, they are, as I say, f uh, 593 standards out there at the moment across a range of sectors, finance, admin, IT, transport, build, construction and so on. You cannot find, I don't think, a qualification that doesn't suit an apprenticeship. Now, nursing is an apprenticeship qualification for leasing. Um, there's, just, there's a apprenticeship for everything now. And, and they are written by the industries, they're written by the actual industries that they relate to. I've been on a number of trail, what are called trailblazer groups, and these are groups that actually write the qualifications, they actually write the standard, they have it approved um, by the authorities and by the skills funding agency, and then it's available for release to the particular sector in which that job is relevant. And they range from 
um, a level two qualification, which is basically five, equivalent of five GCSEs, to um, a level seven, which is PhD level, and everything in between. And um, and as we said, they're not just for they're not just for starters. They're not they're not even for. I mean, we there was a joke going around the market a couple of years ago that <laughs> excuse me, the qualifications would be funded um, and um, for everyone. Uh, and but the employer has to pay five percent towards it if they weren't a levy payer, if they weren't already funded, pay five percent towards qualification spread over the life of the course. And the joke was you have to be spread over the 12, 24, 36 months of the course, unless you're over 99 years old, in which case you've got to pay up front. And the, the reason the reason why that's relevant is that makes the cost of the qualification very, very cheap. There's no qualification that costs more than £1,350 spread over 40 months. And you, normally they would just be in the, in the order of about £20 a month. That's your contribution to a fantastic qualification. That, that otherwise, you would be paying um, student loans and fees and so on towards and end up with a debt of 30 or 40,000. This you get the same qualification on some of these apprenticeships and it costs you nothing whatsoever. It costs your employer maybe up to 1,300 pounds spread over four years. And literally anything you can name is an apprentice quali qualification. Going back into that, you know, the 593 different apprenticeship standards is, is staggering per se. Um, but then when you start breaking it down into you know and i still struggle with the modern school year so i go first year second year third year but it's seven eight nine ten eleven but when you when you think that there's people in you know year the fifth year or, or year 11 that you know that are struggling in their gcse examination for whatever reason you know this year because no one can sit them and yeah. don't even know when we're going to go to school and whatever that you know the the, the the entry level apprenticeship gives you that equivalent of a GCSE and you know I I, I could have gone on to, I went on to college I, I think I was a university I, I had a place at Kingston but I didn't go on but I um I ended up working for a builder's merchant of all places John when I was seven, you know when I was turning 18 17 good career but I had a great time I had a great time I started unloading lorries and was a director so I'm a I'm a fan of the industry but the reason I say that is that I actually I went for a BTEC in business and marketing which was like maybe equivalent of two A levels. It was a bit, I dare I say, it's a bit more fluffy. It was quite coursework led and it was it was really yeah. enjoyable. And I, and I actually yeah. look back at that couple of years at Kingston College, which was, oh, I'm going to the posh suburbs from Council Estate Fulham. I'm going into the, you know, this is this is nice. And um, I look back at that with real warmth for memory. So, you know, not different paths work for different people, but if there is a GCSE level, there's an A level equivalent, there's a degree equivalent, there's a HMD equivalent, you're covering everything for people and you're not hitting them in the bank pocket because I've got a couple of couple of girls that work for me, they won't want to say that they, they went uni and they, they still get upset when the old student loan comes out of the comes out of the payment. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I've had a great month, I've earned some commission, my loan payment's gone up. It's um it's something yeah. which is there. So you are giving something to, to so many people. And you left a couple of its couple of uh, industries off, mate. You didn't mention the world of professional football, John Henry. No, well, that, that was never, there is an apprenticeship in football. Um, there's an apprenticeship in football coaching as well. I've had a few famous apprentices on on the Point Jones show. Um, you know, Bart Murphy from Aransi, he listens all the time. He, he's he's part of yeah, the apprentice. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to mention him because he'd get upset. But there's so many people that 
start their careers from the ground upwards. And some have done it without an apprenticeship pathway, but others have done it that way. But I also had, and this is really interesting, it just show, it is football related, but it shows how the world changed. I had Jimmy Carter on, who was the uh, first first agent to play in the Premier League, pretty known for Millwall, but Dalglish signed him for Liverpool, um, gave him the seven shirt. Yeah. Craig, uh, Kenny, Kenny, uh, Graham Soon has come in, Kenny left and Graham Soon has brought Mark Walters. So Jimmy then went down to Arsenal. He went on to Portsmouth. But he talks about his apprenticeship days as something special. And when I had Paul Parker on, on the 30-year anniversary of the England-Germany World Cup semi-final to record a special kind of football one, uh, and that's Fulham and England's Paul Parker. We, we don't talk about his time at Man United. <laughs> we, we forget that. But he, talk about, he talks about being like a... You know, being at Fulham from the age of twelve to twenty odd, and you know that those apprenticeship years is such char- so character building. But back then, they were you know treated as dog's body apprentices, and they were doing whatever they had to do. And I think that's part of the myth when you you look at it from the outside in, and you see apprentices low skilled, beginning of career, badly paid, maybe dare I say, in comparison to ovens, others. And that, that's really not the case anymore, is it? And, and do, 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 do you still have to battle against that, that myth, that, that misconception? Absolutely. I think we, we battle sort of against people just not knowing how to engage with an apprentice, how to give them the, the relevant training. They're, they're still very much of the mindset, like you were saying, that, you know, it's, it's someone there just, uh, as you've got a, dog, a dog's body, someone there just to sort of pick up the slack and and then hopefully they'll get a few opportunities thrown their way. And, you know, that is certainly changing, as is, you know, particularly with the industries that we are, you know, we're all involved in, it still can be quite a, a battle to get sort of um, some organisations to look at female candidates because perhaps they think it's just not the right environment for them to be coming into. So well, that's another thing that we, we do have to work through. But overall, a lot of organisations are now identifying if they're not quite sure how to be, you know, doing the training and, and development, how to be engaged in their apprenticeships. And they will look to use a service like ours to be able to ensure that they're giving giving that support. And and I think one of the the from a sort of a, an apprentice side of things, one of the the number one sort of areas of feedback we get is that they feel confident to know that they've got another organisation there who's supporting them and who they can sort of turn to if they do need a little bit of help and a little bit of guidance. And and I think you know that's that's another way mm. that we've really sort of been helping with the industries that we are working in is to, to make sure they're comfortable with what, what is available to them and, and that they know that they have got people they can turn to if they if they need just a little bit of direction. And they are regulated nowadays as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, the reason why trade associations engage with us is that is that they want particular standards to be in place and we help them get those standards across the line. Most employers are pretty, well, very, very good these days. One or two, um, you, you know, as Carmen says, use people as dog, dogs and bodies, but we soon weed that out. We don't provide for them. But of course, they're, they're all all training now and all training providers are checked out by Ofsted and the skills funding agency. And if you do do that, if if they interview an apprentice and find that they're not being engaged in the role they thought they were engaged in, if their training isn't what they thought it was going to be, then they will hit hard against the training providers and their complaints will come back. But we've had one or two where that has been the case, where the training providers hasn't been able to engage with the apprentice for maybe a couple of months or something like that, through for, what, for whatever reason, illness or something. 
Um, uh, but they're very soon picked up, you know. So we have, as I say, thousands of people have been through this scheme or these schemes, these initiatives, and uh, you, you soon weed out um, the problem businesses, the problem areas, and they often will change then from the top downwards or the bottom up. They will change their their positions and, and how they deliver their own training. And, and the world's changing, you know. We, you, you talk yeah. talk to footballers from the eighties and nineties, like like I did, and and they talk about you know how how their careers begun as an apprentice and what they had to what they dealt with, and you know, yeah. there were some horrific stories and some amazing stories, and they're, they're pretty much in the public domain. But then, if you take that into the into the working world, I think that there are there has to be an opportunity for every listener to the show who's who's listening who's got you know is employing people whether it's one or a thousand or ten thousand you know they may well have modules in place they may have providers in place but i think it'd be it'd be great if we can talk, think about those businesses that don't at the moment and you know, let's try and capture their attention. So I'm going to just, just give a couple of role play type questions. I didn't tell you this, but I'm going to do it. So well, let's imagine that, first of all, I am the owner of a, of a you know, a, a quite quite a luxury KBB business. I've got three showrooms in, um, in, the, in the south, you know, in the Sussex area, let's say. Um, and we've got showroom managers, we've got designers, we've got installers, you know, and that, that's my business. Um, I've never taken on an apprentice before, but I, I think it's a we think it's a good idea to bring someone in. How would we go about even beginning that journey? What what steps do we have to take? What advice would you give me if I was knocking on your door saying, "Help me, help me, please"? Uh, absolutely, yeah, so, yeah. So absolutely. So what we what we would say to someone in in that situation is to sort of have a think about their pipeline and where they want to really you know grow and develop a, a, an apprentice within the business and then come and talk to us about what they envisage that role to to look like what opportunities they can be giving that candidate we would then work with them to find the right apprenticeship so whether you know if they're saying you mentioned say they've got showrooms so we would you know potentially look at there is a, a showroom design um apprenticeship so we would sort of check does this fit? Is this going to be right? And then we would sort of take those steps to, to find a training provider that would be able to work with them, make sure they've got a nice fit there. Then we'd be looking at sort of the, the recruitment side of things and, and we'd work very closely with them if they, if they needed us to, to help with that recruitment. If they didn't, that's no, no problem at all. And, and we would work in conjunction, you know, if they were say using yourselves for the recruitment or if they'd already identified someone to to bring on board then we'd we'd obviously work and coordinate that on their behalf to, to be taking sort of that that administration and kind of those time consuming tasks off their desk and then from there we would really help them with sort of the, the funding side of things ensuring that you know everything's funded that they're going to get incentives if that if there's any available and um and then yeah getting them getting them on track and getting that learner in place yeah, there's lots of there's lots of stuff behind the scenes you know all the all the claiming of funds and paying of funds but you know finding the right training provider find the really good quality training provider to suit the role you want so as carmen says first of all find out what that role is find out what that job is find the right qualification or training to suit that person and then all the support then the whole way through for the entire time whether it be 12 months which is a minimum length or 36 out for 40 months, which is a degree standard qualification, then we're in touch with A, the dentist, B, the employer, and C, the training provider, the whole way through there, and handle all of the funding, the funds from the government, 
the, the contribution the employer has to make to say is a maximum of five percent of the cost but uh, but and then all of the transfers to the train providers checking they're reaching their milestones checking they're reaching the right um point for for their final examinations etc etc there's a hand-holding exercise behind the scenes mm -hmm. but it's 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 a proper fit it's finding the right fit at the front end mm -hmm. that's key in every single training qualification and that and that, that obviously comes from conversation from discovering what what the business needs and what they're looking for uh, and will that vary from septi i mean i guess, I guess the, the, the the process remains the same because the the other example i was going to talk talk about was for you know a a, a builder's merchant that that's you know that, that's just launched and it has such a diversity of products maybe you know across a, across a couple of branches i'm guessing if i was a builder's merchant owner or, or manager you know one of the private independent ones and i'm not blessed you know and this, this is no criticism but i'm not blessed with a hr team i'm not blessed with a training team i'm not blessed with employee relations and external support it's it's very hands-on and i know this for myself as a business owner you you can have the best intentions in the world but it's it's really hard i'm forever apologizing to jacks and i'm really sorry we haven't done that yet and I, we will do the time and i always find playing catch up as a as a coach and as a manager because i'm doing so many other things and you know having the apprenticeship module behind me meaning that he is following steps and it is happening and you're adding value to it i'm really comfortable with that so would you would you encourage the builders merchant population to, to get in touch with you as well because they're big listeners to the podcast absolutely so you gave a really good example there in in terms of the yeah. you know for a lot yeah. of organizers yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't that... I, I see everywhere so thank you <laughs> no you couldn't have set up the answer any any perfectly but you know we do when we're having these conversations with you know employers who are looking to engage not only do we sort of talk about the actual role in apprenticeship but we also look at, at their structure and their setup and, and for many there is you know potentially it's it's that they are a smaller outfit they don't have that hr function and because we've got what's known as an ata vehicle which means we can actually employ an apprentice on behalf of an organization and they host that apprentice for the duration of the of the program so in that instance effectively because we're the employer it means we're there to help them with everything from sort of the you know the contracting and and as well as you know for the even those we don't employ we take care of the the administrative tasks that come with it but with the employment we're there to help if there was you know we can do the, the performance checks we can be helping them sort of with their inductions where there, if there's, you know, occasionally there are disciplinary issues, especially if you're dealing with the younger candidates that are maybe heading into the uh, the world of work for the first time. So there are those bits and pieces. And then a manager in that instance would you literally have to pick up the phone and say, right, Carmen, can you, you know, Joe's been late three times this week. Can you sort it out for us? Something along those lines would be sort of um you know that we can do that and we can help support with it and and something we really want to get out to members particularly you know uh for instance damien and and i, I know damien's been on your your podcast we've yeah, talked a lot if, about if, if, he, if he's listening he still owes me pie mash and liquor so you know, <laughs> talks a great game two pie two mash two liquor although he'd be single but i'm still hungry <laughs> You know, anyway, <laughs> like, again, what, what an inspirational character there to oh. that, that stands up there and doesn't just talk it. He puts his whole soul, every wow. ounce of his energy into making a difference, doesn't he? 
100%, you know, and, and he's, he's very much like yourself in that respect in that he's all about bringing on the stars of the future and developing. And, and one thing he's really noticed with his sort of, you know, membership, because a lot of the organizations he works with, they are, they're small, they're, they're one man, you know, band shows sort of thing. They're, they're tiny. And, and that's where something like an ATA really benefits organizations like that because you can you literally do have someone taking it off of your desk and and sort of moving you into that host scenario we, we do get personally involved obviously with all the apprentices but we, the, the, the program is also for the employer and very regularly for the the, the organization that you just sort of outlined in principle there you know what, what they want is, is a skills audit which we do for them you know where do you need training skills you're new in the market mm. you want to hit the ground running you want to Take the steps up, you know, and the key skills for you are sales, trade counter, warehouse and yard deliveries. They're the things that make the till ring. They're the things that get, you know, that, that get the bank rolling. So, so they're the key skills you want. It starts off with those, and, and the larger you get, the more administrative roles are required. So we start off with the essentials, and then build from there under what's called a skills order. And anyone is entitled to one of those if they're a member of one of those trade associations. Do you know, John, the the, the the you know the imaginary customer or the imaginary business yeah. that I was talking to Carmen about the the builders mostly the KB show, if, the KB show. If they want to work with you, is the you know please help me. There is there a cost to them for working with you? There's no, there's no, there's no cost to the advice. There's no cost to, to you know, if they want a skills audit done, we'll happily go and see what they need doing. We'll talk to them all they like. You know, we're, we're at the end of a phone, to, uh, or else we can pop out and see them. More, less so nowadays, obviously, but we can do um, Zoom or Teams or whatever. You could even, but, use, um, you could even use the Foyne Jones World Leading Video technology if you really want. Which, like which is exactly what I was going to come up with, especially that. Yeah. Um, but we use some in Carmen and I, and all the others as well. We've got a number of others. I've driven thousands of miles, and forty thousand miles a year up till about a year ago, going to meet um, you know new merchants and older merchants and people who just want to get into the training side of things in terms and under all of those trade associations. And we would do mile after mile and meeting after meeting to try and to try and get them engaged. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, uh, you know the the, the function of facilities there for any of them at no cost, but. We do have an administration charge if we employ the apprentice, and we do have a, a which is a small charge. I think we're the lowest in the market, and we also have a, a small charge that we handle all of the finance and funding. So if they employ their own apprentice, and we have to manage the payments and receipts from the government to the training providers, from the children agency to the training providers, so on and so forth, then there is a small charge for that. But I don't know ever ever in the ten years I've been doing, I had a complaint about the cost. A massive thanks to our friends at Cooker UK, our headline sponsor of the series. Foyne Jones, in partnership with Cooker UK, are offering specialist redundancy support to those that have been affected by the recent crisis. We will be offering free of charge CV and social media makeovers, webinars focusing on content for social media and personal branding, a weekly video showcase of talented job seekers, some employer-led workshops to discuss live vacancies in your area, as well as, of course, our ongoing telephone, email and social media support. To sign up to our redundancy support package, get in touch at letstalk.foynejones.com. Stay safe, keep healthy and be positive. On the Foy and Jones recruitment group journey, I've, I've become quite, I wouldn't say an expert, but I've, I've experienced different type of apprenticeships. So I'll, I'll just run you through them. So the first uh, apprentice we had was Harry George Jones, who's my eldest <laughs> son. 
which is already, you know, that can be spectacularly good or spectacularly bad. Um, Harry was 18, you know, and he sort of gave up on A-levels halfway through. And he was, he's been working here all of his life. So he probably knows as much about the business as I would, natural relationship builder, salesperson. So we, we linked him up with the um, Institute of Recruiters and he done a... A level equivalent, so is that level three? Is it level three? I don't know what one it is. Yeah, level three. Yeah, he did yeah. a level three um, recruitment apprenticeship, and it was delivered by you know a brilliant man, General called David Montague, who was like the trainer. He was our contact. He was a he was he was a quite an inspirational character. Quite he just really got Harry. Um, the lady before David was maybe really nice, but didn't quite get him and. We had, I wouldn't say we had a problem, but David came in and took over and was was absolutely brilliant. So Harry went through that, completed the apprenticeship, you know, distinction, um, moved on from Fortin Jones. He moved into an amazing position in Barcelona with uh, with a great company, IMS, and was working out there for, for just under 11, 12 months. Was offered a, a new contract there, but wanted to come home. Funny enough, we were a little bit, why are you giving that away? So, you know, I just, it's, it's, it's work party, work party. I, I want to come home, which is weird for a 21 year old to say, but he did. <laughs> um, and as much as we hated it in January and February, um, we were really glad by March he was back because, um, yeah. you know, it, we, we, you know we, we, we haven't mentioned the pandemic that much, but that was there. So he's now a business development manager. He's going to be recruiting his own team. He's working for a business on the South Coast, doing, doing really well. And, he still talks about David, the trainer, and the apprenticeship with with real with real passion. So that's one. And you know, most of the listeners will know what we'll talk about now. You'll know they'll know Callum Church. Um, Callum um, arrived at Fortin Jones Towers. Uh, I know his dad. We've done lots of fundraising together. Also a Fulham fan, um, which isn't a prerequisite to work here. But, <laughs> but but Callum arrived. So I did some work with him, and at the time. Holly was going on to maternity leave and she'd done a lot of my video in my editing as well as 20 other jobs. And there was this sort of opportunity where I thought, well, you know, are we, do we do enough digital? Do we do enough video? Do we do enough digital marketing to warrant an apprenticeship? He was with a provider, Creative Process Digital in Brighton. Um, they were, they, they, you know, I, I didn't find them that supportive in terms of employers, but that's, that's by the by. Um, I think they had a hard, a high bar to follow. But Callum come through that apprenticeship. He, he became, you know, he's become as busy and popular and kind of well known on LinkedIn as I am. He's edited, I think, 76 out of my 78 podcasts. He's, he's done it on video. He, he, he completed his apprenticeship again with a distinction. And, you know, he's now sort of taken those skills into the freelance arena. He's still doing digital work for us, but he's offering the big wide world on his own. And it's something I'm, I'm really proud of because you've got you've got someone who begun their journey there. has built relationships and skills that he'll take all the way through. And he'll be editing this, so he won't mind me, me, me giving him the praise. He's actually launched his own podcast, Happy Days by Callum Church. I think he's on episode four or five he's he's giving life advice he's sharing stories so what confidence he's got you know he's doing that and and i'm, and I'm genuinely just quite pleased to be, be, be have been part of that journey um and you do learn the hard way because his plan was always to 
finishes apprenticeship in April this year, April, May. We shake hands. He thanks me. I thank him. And he goes off on a year or two years traveling, which he had planned. Um, that obviously <laughs> that, that can't happen for the young man. But his mum and dad are proud of him. We're proud of him here. He's come for an apprenticeship and he's doing great things for himself. So, Callum, when you edit this, keep this bit in, mate, because you deserve a bit of praise. All right. So that's those two. Now, uh, and we will bring him in to, to have, a, have a, bit of, a bit of interaction with him. We've got Jack O'Connell, who's, uh, who's a local Louisian. He's from, he's from East Sussex. He's from Lewis. He, um, he close friends with my youngest sons. He's just turned 18. And with Carmen's support, John, and this is more public praise, with Carmen's support, and I think the listeners should hear this, with Carmen's support, he's now enrolled at the, I've got to get this right, he's enrolled at the University of West London. He's doing a degree in chart of management and he has been appointed the Partnership and Projects Manager for Foyne Jones, and he's doing great things. Did I get that right? And she's, she's done it millions of times. She's done it loads <laughs> and loads of times. That's great to hear. That's so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us out into the, uh, into the office, and we're going to get Jack involved. Let's take a minute to thank those that make it possible for us to host this fantastic podcast and to continue offering groundbreaking support for anyone facing difficulties in the current job market. MHK Holding UK Limited. Thanks to the sponsorship we've received from MHK, we can continue to offer support to those that need it completely free of charge. This support includes CV and social media makeovers, personal branding and social media content webinars, employer-led workshops to discuss live vacancies in your area, and our ongoing support with consultants via telephone, email, and social media too. To find out more, get in touch at letstalkatfoynjones.com and one of our team will get back to you. Enjoy the rest of the show, stay safe, keep healthy, and be positive. For the benefit of the listeners, yeah. you know, and I'm going to walk away, so, so I'm not going to be here, but talk, talk, talk to Carmen and John about why you chose the apprenticeship rather than uni and kind of where you are now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I sort of chose the uh, apprenticeship sort of route um, for many reasons. Uni's never really been sort of a... Uh, sort of something I've in my plans. I've always wanted to get into work and start earning money as a factor, and I feel like I learn better like doing so. And I don't really learn that well just sitting there listening to someone. I learn on the uh, on the go. Um, and I think financially is also another reason for why I've never really been a, attracted to go to university. Um, I, I think it would have just been too much of a struggle. And the only other option would be to go to a Kingston University in London, but that would be living with my dad. And I just did, I wouldn't fancy that <laughs> with the experience of going to university. So that's sort of, yeah. that's sort of the reasons. No, no offence, Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no offence, Dad. But I wouldn't, yeah. I think if you're going to go to university, you might as well go full throttle and do the whole experience, not sort of do it like that. Yeah. So that's sort of the reasons why I've always sort of chose the apprenticeship. Sort Jack, of I'm going to ask because I think this this would be really pop. This is a great question to ask for the um, for people that, that are considering this, right? Mm -hmm. What what's virtual uni like? Because um, it intrigues me. I, I'm just intrigued by it. Yeah, I've starting the university. I've been impressed. Like they're very supportive online. They're always sending you daily emails and everything like that. It's been very good. But like when you're actually sitting in a seminar. For two hours listening to some guy on the other screen it does you do get a fair bit of distraction you wouldn't say it's the the best way of learning for myself as i said i like learning like interacting with people and stuff like that and with the the uh, the platform that they use you sort of 
you, you're not allowed to communicate really. You sort of like have to write the uh, text in the message box as fast as you can. As you can. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't, that's just just sort of the negative side I'd say of virtual learning. But yeah, you've got any university? Is there, is there any contact at all with other with other people in your group in your cohort? It varies from different <laughs> seminars. Some like so, I've got two separate ones at the moment with two different lecturers. One of them's very like you just put your questions and your answers into the message box. Which is okay, but when you've got like seven or eight of you, like you're trying to type it as fast as possible, see if it's right, you don't want to make yourself look like a bit of an idiot, let's say. Right, <laughs> makes no sense. That's difficult. But then you have a slight sort of communication with the other people in it, but it's not the same as sitting in a classroom and interacting. Yeah. That's where yeah. I feel I learn best, like bouncing ideas off yeah. other people. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's still a chance that could come back, though, John. Carbon, isn't oh, there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, most. Um, uh, the the uh, the apprenticeship route into uh, into degrees is very popular at the moment because they're all virtual virtually you know other than the fact obviously um in freshers week <laughs> whatever happened happened a few weeks ago and covid runs through the country again but um we saw but, we saw the aftermath for the 10 o'clock news the six o'clock news the nine o'clock <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah which is what happens in freshers week but um <laughs> but you know the the uh, you know, the, the uh, the traditional degree is not a million miles away from the from the, from the apprenticeship version. I mean, Oxford University, it's got you know Oxford games are doing um, are doing apprenticeship degrees at the moment, where um, where there is some classroom time, some lecture hall time, and there's some there's some uh, online time, and it's also more releasing blocks as opposed to every day. Um, that's the difference usually between an apprenticeship degree and uh, the old traditional version of a degree. The other big difference, Jack, as you know. Is you don't you haven't got a forty thousand pound student loan at the end of it, which well, is yeah, that, that is the other benefit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and obviously he's very blessed, listeners. He's got the chance to work with me, and that's, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, it, it does, I mean, you say that, Peter, but it does take employers to actually want to engage. And many employers are now. You know that you said earlier on that you know the old apprenticeship was for the less academic. Well, sometimes it's for the most academic now. Um, those those companies offering apprenticeship degrees. We're often looking, often looking for the very, very top end A star students because they are so good. And you, as he says, Jack will now. He'll hopefully get a really good qualification. Hopefully, he'll get good marks in it, and and get a, and he'll be skilled in his job at the end of it. Um, I mean, as, as I said, and I, I said this at the beginning of the show, is it? And, and I meant it in jest, but um, Jack came in for a couple of weeks' work experience, and and by the end of week two, we were we were virtually and at a safe distance meeting clients. He was, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, part of the company. It feels like he's been he's been here, been here forever. But I think the the big thing, Jack. I mean, we do, we we move on to the section that I know I know you can't wait for. But but before we get on to football, <laughs> just just imagine you're talking to like you know your younger self at Lewis Priory, yeah. right? So go back a few years, and you're certain people are, are considering this pathway. What, what advice would you give to the, the boys and girls of, of East Sussex, mate, about about the apprenticeship pathway? Um, the I feel like from from my perspective of when I was sort of at age, I even then I was still sort of like, no, I want to go straight into work after college. And I always had in mind get my A levels because I feel like they're important and they do open a lot of doors and opportunities for you. But after that, it was sort of never an option for me to go to university. I never really had it in my mind. And when you got like, I still think that sort of old stigma or from like your parents or your nans and stuff like, oh no, you've got to go to university. That's like the better way and blah, blah, blah. 
I feel like I I sort of ignored that, not rudely, obviously, but I sort of ignored that because I felt I just sort of knew that the degree apprenticeship was best for me, and I feel like that's what you got to do. Just we need your nan. We need your nan to be a recruiter for us. Do you know, do you know what? Yeah. I, I was going to say my, my nan, and I talk about her a lot. You know, and I lived with my nan until I was uh, twenty three. So you know, um, my, my nan brought me up really. Uh, my nan and granddad. Uh, She's a little, well, very, very similar to the Catherine Tate Nan character. So that was, um, that was a, that, that, you know, the mannerisms of language is very similar. Um, her, her approach was was very much you get yourself to work and you start, you start bringing some money in. But it's a, it's a generational thing. And I, and I think just to bring that first half of the podcast to close, we've, we've got to know who, who you are, John. We've got to know Carmen. We've spoke about the the apprenticeships that, that are out there. Can we just finish by just touching on the, the Kickstarter, the Kickstarters initiative as well? Because yeah. I think that's something that we perhaps didn't go into earlier on. Yeah, well, that massive. That is absolutely massive. Both of us will be buzzing to tell you about Kickstarter at the moment. I mean, the Kickstarter, you know, all of these all of these government uh, initiatives, the coronavirus job attention scheme, furloughing, all that sort of stuff, are to try and save jobs. Well, we're not going to save all these jobs. Some people will be made redundant. There won't be enough. To, the, 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 you know, the uptake on new jobs is it's quite low at the moment. You're probably experiencing that. It's a little bit more difficult than it was a while back because there aren't many jobs out there to apply for. But the Kickstart scheme um, um, allows a, an, a young person under the age of 25 who's claiming universal credit um, to apply for a placement in an employer and, and the government will fund the first six months of their wages for 25 hours a week. So basically, it's a grant or a placement for a proper employment position um, for six months. And it, we have been hit by a tsunami of inquiries and, require, and requests for this. It really is um, a you know, game changer. And we're, we're using the Kickstart scheme to get employers who haven't really taken on young people, either apprentices or otherwise, just to get them engaged in this market. We're asking them to identify whether they think there may be a role in their company within the next six months. And even if they don't know for certain there's going to be one, get your tone or have a go, offer a place to a young person under the age of 25 and see if it turns into a job within the six months. And, and you'll end up with young people like Jack who came to Julie's work experience and end up in a star performer. That's what this scheme can do for people. I'm asking employers, get in touch with us. First six months' wages up to the level of um, national minimum wage will be paid for by the government. We will handle all of the administration, all of the claiming and payments and so on and so forth. This is a really wonderful chance for employers to get stuck into young, uh, engaging with young people and get them going on a training course. You don't have to do training. You have to do a bit of training in that time. You don't have to. We're encouraging all employers to do training during that time, some training, and to see whether or not that individual fits. And if you find you've got a star like Jack, after two or three weeks, engage for more than 25 hours, it'll cost you a bit then, between the 25 hours the government are paying for, and however long you can employ them, say 40 hours a week, it'll cost you 15 hours. And we're encouraging all employers, please have a look at the Kickstarter scheme. Call us, have a go. It's a really amazing scheme. It starts pretty much now. It runs officially to the 31st of December next year. So that is a year, a year and two months. So the last placement will finish in June 2022. But I'm pretty confident that if this works, then they'll extend the scheme because I think this is this, this scheme is going to engage. It's supposed to be for 350,000 young people. I think it'll go beyond that. It's amazing. 
John, that, John, that that was that was absolutely brilliantly put and eloquently put, and, and from the heart. And Carl, and you already know how how much I'm behind this scheme. We, we're gonna we're gonna work with you. We're gonna get a couple of kickstarters into the Foy and Jones business, and that's already generated a buzz of excitement because you know when we spoke, Carmen, and you were saying that you know one of the one of the the, 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 the visions of the scheme is to leave these individuals more employable. You know, yes. to, to give them tools to go out into the world of job seeking. I'm like, this is made for me. You know, we're, we're, we're naturally good at growing our own talent. It's what I prefer to do. We're, we're, we're good at working with different age groups and we can offer something really special. So I can't wait to, to get involved in that. And I think from a, from a, from a Foyne Jones and a, a podcast perspective, I would encourage every single listener and we will tag you up when we release this to, to, to reach out and ask you, you know, what's out there and, and how we can do it. And, We'll do the same with, with the job seekers we speak to. But I know that if we had a wish list, the the, the challenge that, that you face as a business is, is is bringing more employers into the fold and making them aware of what you do. So so thank you so much, Jack. Now, now you can't go anywhere, Jack, because we're we're moving to the to the next part of the podcast. <laughs> and this, is, uh, this is my favorite part of the show because it unites everyone who's into sport and likes a bit of fun. It's the Foyne Jones penalty shootout. Um, <laughs> today, Carmen, you're going to play a big role because you're going to say on cue penalty number one okay. and I'm going to ask the question. And there's only going to be five questions. The, the good news, John and Jack, is there's no sheet. There's no, there's no right or wrong answers. Um, you can't read my writing anyway, no, so there's no, no, no point. Yeah, there's no, no, no get inspiration, all right. I've got a little bit of inspiration. I mean, that means he's going to go first because he's got the scarf. <laughs> so, this is the Floyd Jones penalty shootout. It's five quick fire football questions. These are all going to be you never walk alone, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool Football Club related. John Henry. The best a man can get, you know, the owner of Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, very simple question. You haven't got a Scouse accent. Why do you support Liverpool? Um, my brother supported Leeds when he was when he, when Leeds were fantastic. I mean, on you know, it's my birthday tomorrow, by the way. So Jack, go easy on me. All right, all right, <laughs> please. Um, so, but when we were young, he was a couple of years older than me. Uh, he was a Leeds fan, and they were killing everyone. They were the best side around in the country. That was in the late sixties, and I couldn't support that side, obviously, because um, because uh, he was a Leeds fan. So I had to support something different. So I just chose Liverpool. I liked Endon Hughes actually. He was a centre crazy horse. Yeah, crazy horse. Yeah, and he was a captain yeah. on Question of Sports. Yes, yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember him and Bill Beaumont as the pioneers of Question of yeah. Sports. Yeah. I'm probably showing my age as well. So John's a, John's a Liverpool fan because he didn't want to be a Leeds fan like his brother, and, and Emily Hughes was was his bright light. Why do you support Liverpool, Jake? Liverpool. Uh, well, first of all, stepdad who I've lived since I was three, he supports Liverpool. My uncle does. My dad's to his uh, annoyance, he supports Tottenham. But, I mean, if we if we go back to it all, I think the reason why I support Liverpool was his fault. It was um, West Ham Liverpool FA Cup final when. Gerard, I can't remember what year it was. 2001. Gerard, like an 2001, Jack. <laughs> 2001. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And it was, um, I was, uh, my dad and my uncle were just uh, running me around the house, just screaming Gerard because he played so well. So I think it was their fault. So I just, I've, I've loved Stephen Gerard uh, ever since. I, I'm sorry, Jack. Not because he's got a scarf on, not because it's your birthday, John, but. Because you've had to tell him the year the goal was scored, yeah. we're going to give the uh, yeah. we're going to give the first penalty to 
to, to we're going to first penalty to, to John. So you're one up. So Carmen, when you're ready, penalty number two, please. Okay. So penalty number two. And she's nearly as good as Lara. Lara did this job really well uh, in, in, in Series 2. So, penalty number two, I'd like to know, John, who your favourite player is and why. Favourite ever player? Well, I mean, I've had loads of great players over the years. Jack's got a very limited time to choose from. Steve Highway was a fantastic player. Ian St. John, on, uh, before your time here, this is long way before you, but... Um, uh, well, probably he was, most... not, he was not Saint Greaves, eh? Yeah, Saint Greaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He finished playing by then. But probably, I mean, uh, Gerard. Obviously, every Liverpool fan's got to love Gerard. Van Dijk's fantastic these days, but probably my favourite player because the amount of goals he's got. I think he's, I think he's Liverpool's highest ever goal scorer is Ian Rush. I mean, he just he could just score from anywhere. Kenny Dalglish, obviously genius, but but for me, when, um, when, I, when, I, when I had Keith Hackett on, Keith Hackett, the uh, the ex ex referee. Right. And I'm talking about, you know, some of the best players he's ever seen. He, you remember that, Jay? He, he, he was yeah, like evangelical yeah. about Ian Rush. Yeah. Evangelical about Ian Rush. So it's, it's Ian Rush, who, who used to drink a lot of milk, John, didn't he? Yeah, he well, we got all of that against him. He was Welsh as well, which is a problem. But, yeah, but... Not Ian Rush, drink. Um, Jack, who's your favourite player? Well, I mean, I sort of touched on it from the first question, but it would definitely have to be Stephen Gerrard for me. Uh, okay. I mean, it's sort of like the, the most iconic Liverpool player since for me growing up. Mm. and the reason why I supported Liverpool. And then I'd say he wasn't there for a long time, but who I love watching was probably Fernando Torres and Luis Suarez. We'll come back to the Fernando Torres question in a minute. So I'm going to say you both scored that. So it's 2-1 to John at the moment. Carmen, you know what comes next? What penalty are we on? Oh, penalty number three. Here we go. So, John, when did Liverpool last make you cry? <laughs> oh, um, well... They they made me cry a lot when Man United were in the league every season. That wasn't very pleasant. Probably, um, probably the uh, two thousand and five um, Champions League final. I was with my son. Istanbul. Yeah, Istanbul. Well, I had tickets to go there, but um, Galatasaray's Galatasaray ground. And my wife didn't want us to go because there'd been some sort of problem with Leeds fans a few months earlier in in that stadium. Uh, Galatasaray were playing there. So we didn't go, and instead, he was only young, very young at the time, 13, I think it was, and we went down the pub, and my friend of mine was in fact Carmen's dad's pub. And we went, we went down to Carmen's dad's pub. And we went yeah, in... I know. I, I, I mean, again, just for the benefit of listeners, I know where Carmen dad's, Carmen's dad's pub is, <laughs> on the square there in Simon's Leicester, so I know <laughs> it. The crane. Shout out for the crane and Bill. Anyway, we, uh, Bill put the, put the football on, and we went 3-0 down, and then Gerard. Vladimir uh, Spitzer and, and Javi Alonso scored Liverpool three goals. And there was a guy in there who was wearing an Atletico Madrid shirt. He was as English as I am. And he was shouting for them. And it was upsetting my son. And we came back to three all. It was, Callum was getting a little bit upset about it, but he's a, he's a, he's a tough little devil. And uh, when the third goal went in, he was leaping about the place. And I'll tell you what, it was a tear in my eye. When he got back into that game, uh, so the, the, East Istanbul, the Istanbul moment in Carmen's dad's pub. That's it. Jack? I don't think Liverpool have ever really made me cry, to be honest. <laughs> that's it. He's, yeah. You've won that yeah, one. You've won. <laughs> won that one, John. Yeah, that's it. If he was a Fulham fan, we could just go on and on for years of heartache and despair. So, but... Uh, Carmen, you ready? We're on to... We are on penalty number four. 
All right, so this is a good one because uh, it takes us back to Jack mentioned someone there. And uh, one of my favourite Liverpool songs was his armband is a red Torres Torres. He'll never walk alone, he says, Torres Torres. We got the boy from sunny Spain, give him the ball and score again. So something like that I've, I've heard when they've scored lots of goals at Fulham. Um, <laughs> what would, John, what would be your favourite song over the years? Oh, um, uh, Man Man's goal, Man Man's song. That one, Secret Man Man's song. Steve McManaman's song. I don't know that one that well. I think I think kind of it. Like, I do know it. But Jack, have you got one? Um, I remember singing one that I used to love. I was, I was actually at the Craven Cottage where I used to go and watch and play against Liverpool. It was uh, Maxi Rodriguez's song <laughs> in that one. I used to love Maxi Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez. yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's another one, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna give it's that to we're gonna we're gonna give. I was, I was, I might give that to John. John, now you said he scored a hatchet against Fulham. That, that, that makes it, that makes it three two. We've got one penalty left. All right, Jack, you need to win this to to, yes. to make it a draw, and it will be a draw. John, over to you. Uh, how many famous ex Fulham and Liverpool players can you name? Oh lord, um, if any. Uh, ex play for both both sides. You mean? Yeah, play for um, both sides. Wow. Well, um, didn't ah, uh, not many. Didn't uh, did Neil Ruddock play for Fulham? No, he didn't. I'll give you another go. Um, Paul Walsh. Paul Walsh, yeah, great hair, didn't he? Great hair, Paul Walsh. Uh, no, so uh, Jack, you can you Danny can make Murphy. it a draw. Danny Murphy, yeah, okay, Fulham, Fulham captain. So, so that makes the shoot out of three all. Just for the for the benefit of the statos out there, I'm going to give you Tony Warner. The uh, the goalie known as Bonus from Liverpool Reserves. He uh, he come down to Fulham. Yeah. Um, for people who know football in the seventies and eighties, I'll give you Richard Money, who was sold for three hundred and thirty-three thousand three hundred and thirty-three pounds thirty-three pence from Liverpool to Fulham. Then I'm going to give you Jan Arna Oh yeah. Recently, I'm going to give you Carl Heinz Riedler. As well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. Say that, I would say the most accomplished player coming to Fulham. From Liverpool was Danny Murphy because he, he was an inspirational figure for us. And probably the best player Fulham have put in Liverpool who's been the most present is your right back or your old right back, Steve Finnan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Finnan was signed by his boy from Wimbledon. He was at Notts County. Kevin Keegan brought him. He, he played in Division 3, Division 2, Premier League for us and then had a, had a very good career at Liverpool. So and they leave Liverpool with Blankenburg. That's how I've got Fulham into the shootout. It's a three-all draw. Thank you very much, well, Carmen, for being the full master. Uh, Jack, well right. done, mate. Cheers, John, you'll right. never walk alone. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> During September, I was on a self-imposed four-week exile from social media, all channels. Um, I wasn't banned. I weren't in LinkedIn or Twitter jail or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was just, I just took some time out and really wanted to refocus where we are. And through the deep, dark days of, of lockdown, you know, I became more aware of my strengths on social media and how that can add value to other businesses. And we've picked up lots of work with um, partnering with a virtual showroom tour business and putting social media and content in place. And, and that's led now to a, a new brand within Fawn Jones Recruitment Group called Jones Digital being born. Jones Digital is, is really quite simple. We're, we are going to transform and disrupt the digital presence of the KBB merchant and construction supply sectors. I am going to be hiring, and I've got permanent and freelance positions coming soon for vloggers, podcasters, YouTubers, influencers, videographers, creatives, digital professionals, and copywriters. We're going to put these people together. We're going to work out who's doing what, and we're going to use them. You know, and these are going to be permanent positions. Some of them with attractive salaries. You know, competitive bonuses flexible hours, you can work from home, you can come in every side offices, you can work from anywhere as long as you make a difference because you're going to be supporting what we do. Um, we'll get you into partnership works with our clients and, and this is why I want to get to it, it just took me a long way to get there, um, and within that we are going to offer at least one, maybe two lucky individuals the chance to take on a digital content producer or a, a junior content producer or digital marketing apprenticeship here at Boyne Jones to follow in Callum's footsteps. So if any of the listeners want to be involved in this, I'll be putting this out publicly towards the end of the month. It is a chance to be something, a part of something special. Message me, contact me, do something to grab my attention. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that this is Jones Digital, social content, branding, storytelling and podcasts. That's what we're going to be doing. So that's a message to the listeners from me. And that shows how much I believe in the next generation and, and the apprenticeship pathway. From your side of things, Carmen and John, and no pressure after that big announcement, <laughs> um, what, what message would you like to close the show off? And this is important because I love you to, to close the show off talking about what you could offer or who could get in touch. The, the floor is yours, as they say. Oh, okay, well... The message I'd like to leave people with is that everyone's been through a pretty horrible time, obviously, since March. Uh, we've, we've Through furlough schemes, people have been laid off and, uh, and business has changed in the distancing and, and so on and so forth. I personally think that um, meetings, um, that face-to-face that -face meetings that have been outlawed for the moment will have to come back because in the finance industry, they're saying there's a legacy of meetings and ultimately we're going to have to meet up again because you have to look in your eyes and and understand who you're dealing with. Well, that is the sector we're in. The merchanting sector, the distributor sector, um, is is all about getting knowledge from the from the from someone who knows what they're talking about in terms of product. So, therefore, I think that whilst recruitment is fairly slow at the moment, it's gonna ha it's gonna come back. It's gonna have to come back. And we're ready. We are poised, and we are ready. Kickstart is available for the for the for the gap for the to bridge the gap. But we are ready with some amazing claim providers and some brilliant employers and some fantastic jobs to, to recruit new people into the industry sectors we, we deal with and any other sectors out there. There are fantastic courses. You, you did a great chat at the claim providers earlier on, some fantastic 
training providers and great kids in this country. With Brexit, there'll be less European um, youngsters in this country taking up jobs, um, which is going to it's going to leave a gap in the market. Now, the gap in the market is a is a fabulous gap for for UK young people to fill. And we are looking we are looking for employers to come to us to say what positions they've got, and we will fill them for them. And also um, for for employers that have got some um, employers have got experienced people in their businesses that they think they're going to have to change their role slightly under this new normal, whatever that might be. Well, there are courses out there to bridge the gap between what you did before 23rd of March and what you're going to do going forward. And those qualifications and training courses are available. Contact us and we will make it work for you. We'll make it happen for you. I think that's the number one thing I'd stress is just anyone who, you know, HR, training managers, anyone at all who, you know, is just even wants to learn about apprenticeships or just bounce some ideas or discuss that, you know, we would encourage them to get in touch. And if we we can hopefully point them in the right direction, maybe even work with them. And if, you know, if they don't need any of that, they just need a little bit of guidance then or just someone they want to run some ideas past, then that's what we're here for. And I, I don't think that could have been any better put. And it's a it's a beautiful end to the podcast. I'm going to add one one thing there is that I've I'm proud to have my name and, and this business you know over the, my name and the business over the door. And I've I've worked a lifetime since I was 17, 18 years of age to 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 keep my reputation in the markets I do. We are a niche recruiter because we love the niches we work in. Um, and we're going to be introducing, as I spectacularly announced then, more more digital services. And, and that, that really Fair excites enough. me because we've got, we've got so much going on that, that we're doing under the radar that we're now going to make it public in its own brand. It's you know, And, and it's come from people telling me to do it. You know, senior people say, do it. It will work. Do it. And, and it is working. But the, what I want to, listeners to understand is that, you know, Google reviews, Trustpilot, whatever, you know, you can check people out. But genuinely from the heart, I have made introductions, John, to Carmen, people that, that I trust, that I've known a long time, when they've asked me, you know, how did you find someone like Callum? How did that work? What what did you do to get Jack? How, how can we do it? I make that I make that introduction and I go to sleep at night, relaxed, because I know that they'll be dealt with in the right way. They'll be treated professionally with respect. And if they're up for it, and that's always the challenge, if they're up for it themselves, they've got a chance of making something happen. So I can't speak highly enough of you guys. I know what you do for some of the sectors I'm in. We're going to do more with you. That was a brilliant episode of the Foy and Jones show. It was episode 10 of It's a New Game. We got to know Carmen and John Henry. We went on an apprenticeship journey from GCSE to degree level, and then we went back brilliantly to the Kickstart program. I love that as well, John, because it's about creating something special. We got Jack O'Connell in to talk about his view. Um, contrary to popular belief, I haven't, I'm haven't. i not blackmailing him. He wants to be here. He can leave his own, own devices, but he seems to like it. We had some fun on the penalty shootout, and we've left a very powerful closing message. That's what the Foyne Jones Show is all about. If anyone wants to get in touch with Carmen and John and doesn't do it directly, get in touch with me. Stay safe. Keep healthy and be positive because whatever way we look at it, it's a new game. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much indeed. So there you go. That's the end of the podcast. We are Foy Jones. 
This is the fourth series of The Foy Jones Show. Stay safe, keep healthy, be positive, because it's a new game.